What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal. I'm Brandon. And this is the way we ball. All right, Jamal, let's first start off with kind of our Frisco review. How did you feel? You made the drive up here for that match. So how did you feel about coming all the way up? Uh, it was frustrating. I, um, so as some people may or may not know, I live in the Rio Grande Valley. So I made the five hour trek, but honestly, that wasn't even the part that bothered me the most. What bothered me the most was that I brought in my girlfriend, her brother, and two of his friends. So I brought four people who had never been to a dynamo match and I'm hyping the dynamo up. I'm hyping this new look dynamo. I'm hyping the shell. I'm hyping everything up. And it was probably one of the more boring games I've ever been to. Um, at uh at shell stadium so yeah I, that was probably I, my only sorry that was probably my only um that was probably the only downside for me i mean i'm a football i'm a soccer fan i get it but you know for someone who it was their first time that that was kind of a bummer yeah i will say though like supporter section was definitely crowded out that was awesome to see it was nice to see that the fans actually showed out i mean for the most part in terms of every match that we've had crowd capacity was pretty solid i will say the only thing that was kind of a bummer was even though the crowd was out, it the energy didn't feel as high as I think it should have. Like last time when Frisco was in town, granted that was the Ache Ache debut, and so like it just felt like there was a buzz throughout the stadium. And coming off like a cup championship, I don't know, I just felt like it should have been rowdier and a little bit crazier. Maybe I, I blame the Dallas fans because they didn't really travel that deep. I mean, they had like a small section in the top left corner to where last time they really did show up, but they're having kind of a crappy season as right now they're – 10 wins, 11 draws, and 10 losses. They're currently in ninth place fighting for a uh, for a playoff spot. They're literally in the last position for the playoff spot. So saying that, I understand why their crowd probably isn't as in-depth. But overall, we looked pretty tired. I, I, I felt like the starting lineup just didn't have that same kind of speed that we usually play with. Yeah, and I mean that could have been the open cup hangover. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Do they typically stay in the town after playing? I mean, celebrating a win in Miami doesn't really. Yeah, that's well actually a us. really good point. <laughs> I mean, it's not like um, yeah, Miami might be known a little bit for their party town. So, good point. Could have been a little bit of hangover yeah. from that. But yeah, also and it's had- and it's funny. Like, so I strate- I strategically picked that game uh, to bring in first timers because I was at that Achache debut game. And I mean, like you said, there was just electricity in the stadium. And I was like, okay, so it's another Derby. Um, it's the, it's the Classico and we're coming off an open cup win, open cup win. Like this is going to be electric, but yeah, I think you're right. The supporter section looked packed. I was, I was sitting caddy corner to it. Um, not, not exactly there, but, um, uh, it was packed and they were having a great time. Uh, but you know, typical Houston fashion, we showed up late and for me, well, not for me, but for most people, first impressions are everything. So as soon as they got there, they're like, oh, I would that'd be even busier. I'm like, dude, just wait till the 25th, 30th minute. It'll get packed. But yeah, I think it was a bunch of casuals who probably just, you know, don't don't really get too amped up for those games. Uh, but it was great to see the supporter section back to its old ways. And I mean, I feel like that's just contagious and it's going to slowly bleed out um, as, uh, as uh, success continues. But um, going back to the actual in-game analysis, I, I agree. I think they were just tired, um, a little hungover even. Maybe I, I don't like Franco starting. Um, so I think missing Dorsey was going to be huge. I didn't think it was going to be that huge for us. Um, and then at the end of the day, Dallas just plays a boring game. They anchored down. They they weren't really trying too much on the attack. And I think for them, they just wanted a point. I think for them, keeping a point, staying in ninth place, they were content with that. So um, it was funny because I remember thinking like I, – I was thinking like these teams that just sit back and play a heavy, a heavy back line, we're going to have to get ready for that because in the playoffs – that's a lot of the times the style you play very safe and just and sit back with your defenders. And as I was thinking that I went to the restroom and I heard um, the call, they had Glenn Davis on the, on the restroom speakers and he had mentioned the same thing. So um, again, me being the pessimist I am, I'm kind of concerned about playoffs. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'm kind of concerned about playoffs that we couldn't break through that Dallas line. And I think we're going to have to, we're going to be dealing with that throughout um throughout the playoffs once they get started. So there, there is a cause for concern in my opinion. 
I'm with you on I'm with you on that. But in in the sense of like our attack with no Kiona starting, I mean, granted he did. I, I think he was just kind of cramping in the final cup. I don't think he picked up a knock because he did come on second half. And when he came on second half with Coco, we were a totally different team. I mean, like you could just see a spark come into play. And as you mentioned, no Dorsey. He was suspended from yellow card accumulation. So that that also stinks as well because, man, you want to talk about like a godsend. That guy has literally revolutionized how we play in the back. Now, I did like Brad Smith playing. Brad Smith had an excellent chance in the 32nd minute. I, honestly, I think he had the best shot on goal. Uh, and that was with his right foot. He is a gifted left footer. And th- that was actually probably our, honestly, our best moment of a goal chance outside of when Coco in the 87th uh, blasted in the top row. I know it was a deflection on the uh, on the save from the keeper there. But other than that, I think once you see a starting lineup of Coco and Keones, I think if we're going to have teams that kind of sit back and wait, I'm going to say that's going to actually suit us better. We're a team that dominates possession. And with our midfield being able to pass it around like we do, I think if a team wants to give us that, I I see us being stronger in the playoffs if they're going to be willing to do that. With how good our defense is, I think that that suits us better. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that was the case. And as I was talking, I I did forget that we were out, uh, Coco and Quinones. Going back to losing all credibility – not only were they bored by the game, but I remember when Coco came on, I was like, guys, watch out for this guy. This guy's a monster. He's our best player. And then he had that whiff in the 87th minute-ish. Yeah, yeah 87th minute. And so um, I completely lost all credibility that weekend. Well, you know, going to Coco, what's amazing, though, is in terms of, like, our passing percentage, he's actually one of our lowest players. He comes in around at, like, 77%, where – the, actually, one of our hires is most of our defenders. Granted, you're kind of just passing it back and forth. But in terms of our midfield, like Ache Ache is up in like the 85%. Bossy's up in like the 88%. So Coco, in terms of his passing rate, is actually one of our worst, which is kind of shocking. Especially, I mean, granted, he's more of a kind of like a running forward type of a creator. But Artur obviously is our best one in the backfield. He actually, I think, is in terms of outside of like Tarbell, I think, is our is actually leading in that. But in terms of passing percentage, I'm looking at it right here. Yeah, he's at, at Artur's at 90%. And then uh, Seba is actually our top one. Granted, he's only played in six games at 95%. I was a little bit disappointed Seba didn't get the start over Franco because I, I think he just, I think he's better on the wing more so than Franco is. He's, he's just a little bit too slow for us to really produce anything. Yeah, no, I agree. I was surprised that we didn't see Sebas there. Um I guess just familiar, familiarity, I guess Sebas is still trying to get climatized and familiar with the with the squad. Um, going back to your point about Coco, that is pretty surprising. Um, at the same time, though, wouldn't you agree that Coco post his international call-up has been a different monster? The beginning of the season, he was he was, you know, better than decent, but man, he's just been a monster after that international this most internet this most recent international call-up. Yeah, he was the Gold Cup MVP pretty much. And uh, he was actually, a, he was a big reason why he knocked out the United States in that semifinal. I, I you know, I've been in our group chats with us, you know, I, I always mention that I, I give credit to Ben in terms of his player development. I think he's really helped Coco take that next step. And I mean, I know it's a big talking point of selling him in the off season, And if we do, it's not ridiculous to think that the price tag for him should be really high. And if it's not something... Six million plus. I I'm okay with wanting to keep him. To me, it doesn't seem like Coco really wants out. He's even mentioned a lot of the times that like he's happy to be here. He wants to like do unfinished business with the Dynamo. And if we can keep him, I'm not against that. Granted, the money would be great because we could utilize that. But if we sell off uh, Sebas, you know, and take away his like three million or whatever he costs, Franco as well. I think he's like a million plus. So like. There's four million right there that we can utilize to build in terms of a stronger attack. I know a lot of people are really disappointed in Aliu. He has he didn't really do anything when he came on for Corey. I, I will say Corey did have that like he he didn't even seem like Corey Baird making those deep runs that he usually does. Uh, I just I credit that to him just being tired. I think he's played a ton of minutes. In fact, I think he's like third on the team in terms of minutes played. Yeah, I um, it's funny. Like as soon as Alayu comes, I'm just like, uh, I kind of like give up hope at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to, you know, back to your point. Uh, I think what has also really um, propelled 
both Acha Acha and Coco is um, is Arthur, Artur being yeah. their little safety net. We've never really had a six like that. Um, I think last year Acha Acha probably felt like he had to do too much. He had to defend. He had to attack. And now with Artur back there, who's solid, he just he has the freedom to to move around more and do more. And 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 so does Coco. So um, I'm not on the bear train like you all like you all are. Um, I would prefer another. Striker up top, someone I'd have a little more confidence in their finishing. I, I do get what he brings to the Dynamo, um, especially when you see the him and the original Sebas being polar opposites of one another. Um, I do get what he brings, but man, I just the fact that uh, Aleu comes and and even with Barrett, I'm not as confident with him putting it in the back of the net. Um, I just I want that clinical finisher, and hopefully we get that next year. Um, his finishing is is super like it, it is something that is he's been a pleasant surprise. I will definitely put it that way. And I think because he's been such a pleasant surprise with his goal scoring, I am a little bit higher up on him. The first ten games, like I was kind of out. I think most fans were too. But then he hit his stride once he moved more into the striker role, coming instead of being off on the wing. Now, the one thing I will say that was amazing, Bossy was out of this world in that Frisco match, man. He played exceptionally well. The only knock I have on that is I want him to shoot the ball more. Like, I felt like he had a couple of opportunities where he had a good look on goal, but then he's looking to pass it off. Granted, he is like an assist machine, but I'm, I want him to kind of take more strikes. It seems like the only goals he's going to score is if he gets it from the PK spot. Yeah, no, he's been – this whole team, really, I feel like I'm being a dead horse, but this whole team, really, in, in the second half, has just been so impressive. I was, I was kind of getting frustrated with Bossy as well. Um, I, you know, he was just a PK merchant. He was just getting these free goals, um, but he has really turned it on. And just seeing the passing that goes about in the midfield, we've never had a Dynamo team that can move the ball like that in the midfield. It's so, it's so refreshing. It's so fun to see. I feel like we were always the victims of that that happening to us. Um, and that was my biggest gripe when we had Olsen. I felt like he was that MLS 1.0 mentality of just hard-nosed players. But, man, that midfield, I mean, you know, they're playing that La Liga type, just pass it back and forth, and it's just – it's really fun to see. So um, Bossy was impressive. He was one of the, the shining shining stars um, against Frisco. Um, again, just me losing credibility, I – he was he was one of my men of the matches, even though I was hyping up Coco like no tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Coco was definitely like him and Kionis when they came on second half. We were a totally different team. The pace increased. We put a lot more pressure on Frisco in that second half compared to the first half. But it just felt like if we would have started the match that way and then maybe brought on Franco second half to kind of give Kionis a little bit of a rest – I think we would have probably produced a goal a little bit maybe in the first half because, like, again, we had such a good look. I I don't mind playing Brad Smith up there on the wing. I think he's a good second-half start. He's always great in crossing in the box. The only thing that did hurt us, Caicedo also was out because of yellow cards, so our midfield depth was a little bit lacking as well. So having him come on, I mean, dude, if you're, you know, you're exactly right with how strong our midfield is. Caicedo, if, like, any other year is probably like a top three midfielder for this team, but he barely sees the pitch because I mean, who are you going to take off bossy Artur or Ache Ache? Like no way, you know, or Coco, like it, it kind of sucks that he has to ride the pine, but it is nice that we have that depth and we're going to need it. Cause you know, kind of looking forward to, to Wednesday coming up here against Montreal, Ache Ache's out. He's, he's suspended from yellow card accumulation. So I assume he's probably going to get the start. That's actually a good transition to our next segment. So let's talk about Wednesday. So we're going at Montreal. We don't have the best record there, um, but we only need two points to make the playoffs as opposed to around this time last year, we were already talking about being out of the playoffs. Actually, it was probably even before this. Um, Man, just how refreshing is it that we're talking about what's needed to get into playoffs as opposed to not being out of it by now. So um, we need two points to make the playoffs. How do you see Wednesday finishing? What are your thoughts? Um, let's talk Montreal. Well, like you mentioned, I mean, we, we have a god-awful record at Montreal. But what's scary is we are right now, we sit fifth place at 44 points. Now, with a win and maybe some losses here, we can be anywhere from four, uh, from second 
to uh, possibly falling all the way back to ninth. You know, like it's one of those things where it can be a dramatic swing. And honestly, I think for us to have the potential of a playoff run, we have to host a, a home playoff game, especially like right off the bat for the first one. Because this year, the 8-9 matchup plays a one-runoff wildcard kind of game. And then we're going to go against St. Louis in St. Louis if we fall all the way back. Like, that's a nightmare. So to me, this Montreal game is huge. Because then otherwise, what's a, a kind of a nice security blanket is October 7th, we do have the Rapids, who are the worst in the league. So, like, at least we can kind of finish at home with a terrible team to, to really kind of secure our spot. But these next two matches, I think, are our biggest ones. So going into Montreal, going all the way up to Canada, I mean, I don't think people realize how far up Montreal is. Like, that's a hell of a flight just from Houston. So, and, and on top of that, you don't have Ace Ace. So getting an early goal, I think, is 100% what we have to do. And I've mentioned to you a couple of times in our chat when we've been messaging back and forth, the one thing that's concerning me is we're giving up a lot of late goals. Like, we did it against St. Louis. They scored in the 90th minute. We did it against Vancouver. Granted, we were up 4-0, but it was 4-1. We did it against Inter-Miami in the cup final in the 91st minute to Martinez. Now, granted, we drew against Frisco, but like that cannot be a thing that keeps happening. Otherwise, that's what's going to plague us in Montreal. I think if we can score early and we can negate the late goal, I, I honestly see us walking out there with three points. I think going with a tie is not the mentality that we can go into. I, I honestly see a tie almost as a loss. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I I personally kind of see this whole the Acha Acha suspension as a blessing in disguise. Just more more than anything else, as you had mentioned that that travel, he's not going to have to do that travel. So, yeah, um, you know, let our let our all star sit home, relax, throw some fajitas on the pit, do what you got to <laughs> do, Acha Acha. Just you know, take some time off, enjoy yourself. Um, I just think. I'd rather him play those last two games. Uh, where's the second last? I know we're doing Colorado at home, and who do we have after Montreal? Uh, or who's the I last game? Because we have one on the 21st, so that's a good question. Portland, Portland. I'm sorry, Portland. Portland. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, like, so again, Portland is an, another other side of the of the coast, right? So exactly. I'm okay with Acha Acha having to negate one of those one of those um, travel days as long as he gets some rest. Um, I had posted on our Twitter. Uh, yesterday, so we're two points away from second place, three points away from ninth place, and the final playoff place. We have Montreal, who's currently at ninth. We have Colorado, who's currently in fourteenth, and Portland at seventh place left to play. I asked um, our followers, "Where do you see hold it down, Houston Dynamo finishing the season?" Brandon, where do you see us finishing this season? Honestly, I, I genuinely think we're going to host a playoff game, so that means we'll fall anywhere between second and fourth. I think I really do think we're going to get the win in Montreal. So with that win right there, that sets us up because then if we get Colorado at home on the seventh and we get another win there, I mean, genuinely, I think between those six points, I think it almost secures the bag for hosting a playoff game. I don't really care if we finish second or if we finish fourth. I think the biggest thing is we have to host one at home because our away record, we've only won two away matches in terms of league play and one on the cup final. So like, we, we cannot rely on us having to travel anywhere. I had – it's going to kill me for not giving this person credit. And it could have been one of the local guys, um, one of the local podcasts, or it could have been uh, Football America, Americas. Um, but someone had mentioned the tough thing about Houston, and I agree with this. And, again, my bad for not giving you a shout-out. I'll give you a Twitter shout-out once I remember. But they mentioned the thing about Houston is that when you play Houston in the summer, these other teams in the MLS are already dealing with hot, humid weather. Yep. Houston gets extremely tough when you're playing them in the in the fall months when back home it's cool, it's nice, it's in the 70s, and you're going to Houston in 90-degree weather. So yep. um, to add to your point, yeah, I think we need home if we're going to make any kind of run. We need that home field advantage. We need that climate advantage. So – um, to answer my own question, call me jaded. I'm really, I'm legit scared that we're going to miss the playoffs. Like it's just the <laughs> the Houston sports fan in me. Uh, I just, I, I have this concern that we're going to miss the playoffs. At the same token, then it's like you see everything happening to the Texans. You see the Astros get in the the get in the division. 
last play of the last game of the season, like, is it finally that is it finally time for Houston to have some good luck Make in the run. sports world? So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll finish top four. Maybe we'll get that home field advantage. Um, I mean, things have been going our way in Houston sports. So um, I'm, I'm hoping well, I'm wrong. I'm hoping we get that home field advantage. And sorry, go ahead. So no Ache Ache for, for Wednesday then. Then how do you see our midfield with like the starting lineup there? Because to me, the most interesting aspect of our starting lineup going into Wednesday's match is what our defensive line will look like because now we're pretty much at full strength there. So like you have Escobar, you have uh, Dorsey, you have Mikael, you have uh, Svechenko, you have Teenage. That's five right there. And you even have Bartlow if you want to throw him in there too. So you have six defenders. Obviously, you can only we're only going to start four. And so there's going to be two on the way out. I think Bartlow is an easy one to say is out. But then who's the other guy? I feel like people love this guy. Um, and, and I, he, he has moments of brilliance. I wasn't too impressed this last uh, game against Frisco and that's going to be teenage for me. I would put Mikael there instead of teenage. Um, and I would have, of course, Dorsey and Escobar at the backs, at the wing backs. Um, and I don't, I don't think you can sub out Sviachenko. Um, I Ooh, feel I like he's he might be out on a yellow card. Sorry to interrupt. I think he's the one because I think he picked up one late against Frisco. I'm almost sure, but if not, I'm I again. That's I think that's what happened because I remember him getting a late yellow card, and I was like, "Shit, is that going to make him out?" But if not, I I'm with you. He's obviously a starter. He's obviously the number one. But why not teenage? He scored our goal against Sporting. He came back from an ACL like. Mikael cannot play the wing. He he did not look good against Frisco on that wing out there. So I'm with you on that. I like Escobar and Dorsey on the sides. I think that gives us a ton of speed up on the wings there. Svechinko is, I mean, I to me he's a godsend. I think he's worth the DP slot. But I, I I find it shocking that you you want teenage out. It's not that I want him out, and I don't. He's not terrible. I just, you know, it's. It's you, it's you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You have to get one of those guys out. Um, yeah. And I, like you said, Sviatchenko is just too valuable for us. Um, it's funny because we started this we started this podcast talking about how I lost credibility with my friends and family, and here you are, again, making me lose credibility with this Sviatchenko <laughs> bomb. Um, uh, hopefully our producer uh, can check on that if Sviatchenko is playing. Um, but, yeah, if, if I had to choose – Mikhail's been solid, man. He's been a solid no, center is. back. And again, I don't know if this is the Olsen magic um, where, you know, he's a totally different player from last year. And, and yeah, I he would, if I had to choose. Players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if I had, if I had to choose, I, I would honestly, I, I would go Mikhail. I feel at this point in time, I feel safer having him as our starting center back over teenage Debbie. So producer Shay, let us know he's on a warning. So okay, so next yellow he'll be out. So that's good. Oh, oh. Mikael's on a warning. Yikes, that's not good. But either way, I think the only thing since you know we're talking about rest and everything like that, the only ace in the hole is I would probably bring in teenage second half. If if you're saying I'm Mikael or teenage starting, I'm I'm with you on that. I think whoever's kind of in that spot, I'm not ups, I'm not upset. But like yeah. In the sense I, of, I would bring on teenage to probably rest Svechenko in the second half to give him that leg rest. Yeah. Um, I mean, if so, so it, it was Svechenko's that's, that's on a warning. If, if you're the dynamo, do you let him get a cheap yellow to let him start fresh <laughs> to, again? To, so Cause it, he does, uh, also, yeah. Cause I mean, what if he doesn't play against Colorado? Oh no. You know, does it, uh, does it clear out for playoffs or how does that work? I think it does. I'm almost 100 percent sure it does. I, I wouldn't. I'd be shocked if they had a carryover for for playoffs. So yeah, pretty sure they okay. clear that out. Um, then, oh yeah, I forgot Stares as well. He hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Stares as a backup. Um, I just everyone's again that backline is just is thriving. They're clicking on all cylinders, and unfortunately, he's just the odd man out. Um, I think either way you go. Uh, Mikael or Hadebe, Sviachenko, whoever it may be, we're in good hands. Shouts out to Allstate. But my biggest <laughs> concern is uh, Ache Ache. What are we doing there? 
So the midfield, I think, like I mentioned, I think Casado gets the start there. You have Artur, and then you'd have Coco. Bossy would be on the wing. Then you have Keones, and then probably Baird up front, which I'm almost okay if we rest Baird against Montreal just because, I mean, I, he's actually fourth in minutes. Well, granted, Steve Clark's number one in minutes, so, like, that's a little bit cheap. So he would be third in that case if we're talking about at least position players that are doing actual running. So I, I think – I wouldn't mind Corey getting a little bit of a rest because in that Frisco match, he he's brilliant with his runs. That's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize what Corey does so well is what he does off the ball. Granted, he gets back, so he does do a little bit of defending, and that's big reason why Sebas is playing in Brazil and not with us right now because he didn't really run back. But I don't think people realize how Corey runs off the ball that creates all those openings. I just think he has such tired legs right now that I would be okay – if, I, I don't. I'm not big on Aliu starting, but I think if we have to do that and then bring on probably Franco in the second half, I can live with that. But at the same time, I, I don't know if that's going to get us three points, which is what kind of worries me. Yeah, I mean, Corey has all the fries, but no shake. He has those runs. I just, uh, you know, I don't. I don't have faith in him finishing. Every now and then, he'll pull one out out of his sleeve. But uh, I, I'm okay. Like you said, I'm okay with resting Corey. Um, so before, I guess, before I give any more, any more of my thoughts, you're coach Olson, you have to turn in your starting slip. Let's hear it. So, all right. Just so go starting, starting for, 11. Yeah. I, Clark, obviously in goal, he got a rest against first, he got a rest in the cup final. So I think Clark's in goal. Then I, I agree with you with the back line. I'm good with Dorsey, uh, Escobar on the wings, Sachinko starting in center back. Mikael or Teenage is fine with me. I'd probably go Teenage over Mikael at this point, just to, again, kind of rest him as well. And then in the midfield, I have Casado, I have Artur, I have Coco. On the wings, I have Bossi and Kiones. And then up front, I'd probably start Aliyu just to do something to try to rest as much as we can. Because if we come away with a loss, then we're going to need full force against Colorado. And, and I, I, we have to score a ton of goals and really run it up against them. So I, I would rather rest Baird and take the fact that maybe we can eke out a one nil. Okay, um, I think we're we're pretty much on the same page. Um, I uh, I would go with Mikael um, over Teenage. Um, Caicedo makes the most sense to to replace Ache Ache. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I'm I'm forgetting, but yeah, I would definitely go Artur Caicedo. Um, Bossy with Coco. If Quinones is healthy, I would go Quinones. If he's still fighting anything off, I would I would go with Sebas. I don't want to see Franco start. I love that. I love putting Franco in in those last 15, 10 minutes and just okay. having him run like a maniac. Um, so if we have a healthy Quinones, Quinones. Um, but if not, then I would put a Sebas up there. And I would still stick with Bear. Um, especially with with us needing this three points, I would I would stick with with Baird up top over Alayu. I, I mean, I, I I'm not upset with that. Like, I, I very much get it. I see the importance of this match, so I think you do need Corey up there in terms of producing goal. I also like that idea of putting on Franco late for those late minutes because he's like the ultimate hustle guy, you know. And and just kind of having him start isn't the key. So I would be okay with having Keone start. That way, he just wears down those defensive backs. And then I, that's where I think Franco gets those kind of I, cheap goals is a little bit unfair to say, but that's how he comes away with his goals. Cause I think the defense is just so beaten down from trying to keep up that speed under control, that that's how he comes away with those headers, et cetera. Uh, I, I bring Brad Smith on as well in terms of putting on the wing. I think bossy, I hope his leg injury is hundred percent healed. So I'm okay with him coming on later uh, for bossy, but I, I, if it's nil nil and it's the 77th minute, that's going to be so tough to make any substitutions because we got to, we really got to go for the kill in this, in this Wednesday match. Yeah. So just to, I guess, finish this segment with my prediction. Um, I think we're going to have a replay of Dallas. I think it's going to be a zero zero. Uh, I think, I think our back line has been stellar. I don't see Van, uh, I'm sorry, Montreal getting past that. Um, and I just, I, I don't know the the struggles we've always had with Montreal. I don't really see our attacking doing our our attacking pieces doing too much. Um, so I think it's going to be a boring zero zero draw. 
I can see that. It's also not the worst. If we don't concede any goals, that's that's also going to help because, I mean, in all honesty, the way this is coming down to the wire, it, it might come down to goal differences for us to be pushed up a spot. Now, speaking of kind of pushing up a spot, looking big picture, in the West here, we're getting closer to the playoff race. Who do you think right now is probably the biggest threat in the West that, I mean, not to, to win it all, I would almost say, not necessarily like for the Dynamo to face off, but just who do you think is probably the team to beat right now? Are you saying uh, in the West or in the entire? Yeah, just the uh, West right now. Because the East, I think, is a little oh. bit more shaped, where the West right now is like a really jammed pack race. Well, it's jam-packed up until the top spot. So I guess you'd have to give it to St. Louis. It's I think they're 10 points um, from second place. Uh, is that – let me check. Yeah, they're, so, so right, right now, second is uh, Real Salt Lake um, after their victory over LAFC. So – yeah, St. Louis is at 56, Real Salt Lake is at 46, Sounders at 46, LAFC at 45, and then us at 44, Vancouver right behind us at 43. So if we're in Vegas, you'd have to go with St. Louis, right, just based off off the numbers. Um, but I'm not too – well, that and just our performance against them, I'm not too threatened by St. Louis. If that's Same. like – if that's the the pinnacle of what we have to reach to win to win it all, I'm not I'm not too threatened by St. Louis from what I've seen. I mean, we also have um, we also have Parker in there. I, I'm I'm sure Ted's probably paying him under the table to give us all the insider <laughs> secrets and hand signals and whatnot. But uh, well, I mean, um, they I, smoked us when we when we went up to St. Louis. I think it was three nil. So they, they they beat us down. But when they came to us, you're exactly right. They eked out that ninety first uh, equalizer. So. I, I didn't. I didn't. I honestly don't think St. Louis is is the pinnacle to take down right now. Now that's tough to say because LAFC ninety percent of their goals have come from just two players, Vera and uh, gosh darn it, number ninety nine. I forgot his name right now. Um, anyway, I'll look it up later. But anyway, the ninety percent of their goals has come from there. Their third goal scorer is their right back at four. So I don't think LAFC is the same threat as it used to be. They don't have a Gareth Bale coming off the bench this year. The Sounders. They were like bottom of the table for the longest time and then suddenly made a late surge to climb the tables. Granted, they did. I think they're still always a threat. To me, the one that could sneak out of everybody is Real Salt Lake just because they just – with Diego Luna, my, one of my favorite guys to watch, that little unit run around. And then on top of that, they have Chicho up there at front. Like they have a squad that I think could surprise a lot of people that are very much underlooking. And like you said, if I'm in Vegas, I think the odds in terms of me placing a bet, that might hit. You're thinking of Dennis Buanga, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, shouts out to Diego Luna. Um, I used to work in the USL, so I have a soft spot for him. Um, I love him, man. He's so fun to watch. It's like a uh, mini fridge with legs. Yeah, you know, he, he just – I'll just leave it at that. He just he just has a funny look with like his little – like with his highlighted hair. And like he's just so like – stocky but he's just a badass man so um i feel like i'm getting too much on personal appearances now but anyway um yeah the crazy thing the crazy thing about lafc and what is like super intriguing for me is that we both embarrassed each other so it's like let's say we were to play each other in playoffs which lafc are you getting and which dynamo are you getting at that game i mean that's that's a good point and also like i mean one point separates us from either us playing at LAFC or them playing us here. And we embarrassed them at uh, when they came here. But I, I think when we went up there, I don't think we didn't draw, but I think I almost want to say it wasn't as, it wasn't as a big of a defeat when they came here. We smoked them when they were playing against us, but in terms of goals, uh, the goal difference, it's pretty similar. LAFC has 44 goals for 35 against. We have 42 for, 35 again. So two goals separates us in terms of a goal difference. And I would say the leg up goes to us because in terms of our defense, we, we have us much stronger. That's right. We beat them at home. One, nothing. That's right. In LAFC. So I honestly don't think LAFC is as big as a threat as they were last year. Am I thinking of galaxy? I remember like yeah. being on a high cause we won four, nothing. And then we got embarrassed. I'm confusing with somebody else, but okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, it's, at the end of the day, it's still LAFC, and I would hate, I would hate to uh, to have to play LAFC at LA. Um, so are you? Um, I don't. So who are you going, or who's your money on 
biggest My threat. surprise pick would probably be Real Salt Lake, just because I think they have an interesting path. Um, for me, I, I'm not a big believer in St. Louis right now because show me you've ever done it. You know, like granted, it's a little bit unfair. I know they're new to the league this year, but because of that, I think the playoff tension could be too huge. Now, granted, their home field advantage is a legit home field advantage. So the fact that they have that throughout the playoffs, I it, like I get them having a nice leg up for that because those fans show up and they show out. But I just if you can minimize Klaus up front. I don't see them having as big of a goal-scoring threat. Now, granted, I believe they are top dogs in goal scores. They have 62 for 40 against, and so like that—that that is dominant. But a big reason for that is because of their home field advantage. Oh, on the road, they're much more susceptible. But I, I, I just—they haven't done it yet. So for me, I'm not going to give them a leg up. The East to me is obvious. I mean, obviously, with that, I mean, I think Cincinnati is is just top dog. They're they're really deep. Um, yeah, I mean, the East is, is everyone's favorite, right? To go all, I think that it's safe to say they're the stronger division. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> look at us talking about the finals and just a year ago, we were already thinking we're doomed. Right. And, well, um, I mean. I honestly think if we host a home match, I see us doing a deep run. Look what we did in the cup final. Whatever. I think this team is legitimately built for playoffs. That's why, like, I would, I, I really obviously want us to host a home field for the first round because I think that would give us the leg up. But to me, League's Cup, we looked great in the League's Cup. We made it out round of 16 until we got knocked out. Again, when we got, we won the cup, uh, U.S. Open Cup. This is a team to me that's like built like, the Florida Panthers, the Miami Heat, like we're not going to be sexy in regular season play, but we don't need to be. Once we make it into the playoffs, that defensive strategy that we have is going to kill teams. The, mid the midfield dominating possession, that's exactly what we need. I think us eking out these like 1-0 wins, 2-1, is going to separate us from the rest. And going to PKs, I've got nothing but faith that Clark and goal, and also our PK takers. Like we looked great in Leeds Cup every time it went to a PK. So like, I'm okay with us grinding out into this. I'm not saying that I think we're out. I was obviously picking a winner besides us. Just like I, I genuinely believe that we can win it all if we make it for the same reason I'm saying. I think we have the depth, and I think we honestly, if we stay healthy, I, I genuinely think we're a huge threat. Yeah, I think you know we brought we brought up Vegas. I think the safe pick would be if we're just talking about the West. The safe yeah. the safe pick would be St. Louis, but the smart pick. Would be the dynamo. Just the yeah. the numbers are are going to be in your favor. The way they're playing, uh, I mean, the dynamo would be the smart pick, right? But we don't want to be homers on this podcast. Um, I will say though, you said you have confidence in Clark. Has he stopped a PK this year? Ah, uh, yeah, he did against um, the the second time he did PKs um, in Leagues Cup. He saved two. But uh, MLS in the MLS I can't, race, I don't know how I, many PKs we faced in MLS. To be honest with you, I thought I saw a stat that he hadn't stopped the PK. I think because they were comparing him to to Tarbell, um, so that's something to look up. But yeah, I mean, there's no way you would sub out um, Clark. He's he's been phenomenal this year. Yeah. He's been exactly what we needed. The other thing, and the other thing to think about is that because you mentioned St. Louis and they've never been here before. These teams are going to be playing against a 10 year touted coach. Ben yeah. Olsen, this isn't his first rodeo. Exactly. He's been in the league for 10 years and it's one thing to, to coach for so long. He's coached this specific league for 10 years. So 100%. very few people and played in it. So very few people know this league as well as he does knows the grind of the playoffs. Um, so I think that goes, in our favor too, but nonetheless, it's an exciting time. And uh, producer Shay uh, texted, um, "Houston has a habit of packing the house for these big games," which I 100% agree. So yeah. you add that into into the equation. Uh, breaking news, actually, I forgot to tell you guys, I actually signed up for season tickets myself. So hey, I got season tickets um, for next year. Um, but a part of that was. Um, I get the um, priority for postseason, so yeah. hopefully I'll get to to try out my new seats postseason. And I have, and we'll save it for another podcast. I have a ton of complaints about the whole process, 
what didn't happen when I got those season tickets. Um, I invest, I'm investing a ton of money into you guys and I'm just, I'm not feeling the benefits, but it's not the, this is the way we Karen that this is, this is the way we ball. So we'll worry about that another time, but yeah, so I'm a season ticket holder. I'll hopefully, um, chances are looking good that I'll be at that playoff game. So um, I'm exactly what we're talking about. Uh, you know, Houston just shows out for winners. And I think uh, I think we'll have a, a packed house, maybe the closest thing to a sellout that we've had for a while. I'm with you on that. Uh, I mean, granted, it's it sucks that the Astros are going to be in the playoffs as well, kind of going up head-to-head with us. But I don't think that's going to hurt us as much. I think fans are going to be, yeah, like Producer Shea saying, they're going to be in high spirits rolling off uh, Astros victories, et cetera, and then coming over to us. I think that will help us in the long run. Granted, the Texans are doing decently well too. So it's it, Houston is having a moment. I think if the fans show out and show up, that's going to be really well for next season as well. Because this fan, this year's attendance, I, I will say this team deserved better in terms of people showing up. But give it time. You know, they they'll, they'll back winners. We've done it before, and we'll do it again. Yeah, and I think the like yeah, you know, Houston is winning. As far as the scheduling issue, I mean, there won't be an issue, right? The the game will most likely be in the evening. Texans usually play at 12. Um, and just more bang for your buck. I mean, I'm assuming the price is going to be anywhere from the cheapest will be in the 30 range, 40 range. I was trying to go see the Texans and Steelers. The cheapest ticket was like 400 bucks. Yeah, so speaking for just in a casual fan perspective, the best value for you, your friends, your family, it's going to be a dynamo game. It's going to be a fun atmosphere because it's going to be the playoffs. So I always and tell concession food is the best there too, man. Like, they Oh, by really far. Stepped up food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's awesome. That was honestly, that, that was one area where I actually, um, it was as advertised was the food. Um, they love the trill burgers, yeah. uh, the bond me's, we're so amazing star yeah 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 so I always uh, benny's pizza as well like it's it even like because usually when you get like a pizza at like a stadium it's the saddest pizza in the world you know but like that one is actually it it slaps man like i will say our food is by far the best in all of our stadiums i'm uh so i was very close to getting Vinny's pizza but i saw ptsd from papa john's at <laughs> uh at uh bbva at the time so um no I so yeah i I, I need to try that. I need to try that next, and I need to try the elote. Um, I just feel I just feel guilty buying elote when I can get it for like two bucks down the street from the <laughs> elotero. Yeah. So, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's a great value. I really the the I just Houston's a huge city. I don't think they're going to affect each other. If anything, people will be in high spirits. Um, and you know support the dynamo so my challenge out to any any listeners of the podcast take a first timer out to the shell let them experience the dynamo game um i try to do that every time i go up to houston i try to bring in a new face let them experience soccer let them experience the dynamo um and hopefully we'll just get more people turned on to uh to our local club and so, if you got kids bring the kids man they're lifelong fans you know yeah yeah speaking of kids i was uh I saw uh, Diesel going around talking to kids, and <laughs> it's funny because like it's a mascot, right? So you don't see any facial expressions, but there's these kids like pulling his ear, and just body language. He was so over it. He was just like <laughs> the hell off me already. So bring the kids. Re- just don't assault Diesel, please. I always ask every mascot. I'm like, when you take a picture with somebody, are you smiling inside that suit? <laughs> They're like, I mean, yeah, you just like react to it. Like you don't really think about it. <laughs> I'm like, cause no one can tell. Like there's always that big cheesy smile on every mascot. And, uh, well, speaking of going to a game, how was that, uh, how was that pregame block party or you're oh, out yeah. there doing interviews, right? Yeah, dude, we did a uh, producer. Shay and I went around and just kind of had a little bit of fun interviewing everybody at the tailgate. That was actually a really good scene because they they opened it up at the uh, new Dynamo headquarters that they just did right across there. So like shout out Dan right across the street. Yeah, the artwork on that is pretty sick too. But then they had a nice little like futsal game going out there, and that that was a good time too. They they actually had like legit Leagues Cup trophy that they won, which that I didn't expect that to happen. But the DJ was out bouncing, man. Everybody was in really good spirits. I will say, everybody that we went up to to ask to interview, like they had a lot of fun doing it. The thing that I laughed the most about is because. 
I had a couple of questions I was going to ask off like the top of my head, but I wanted them to be like rapid fire. I didn't, I didn't want them to give us like deep analysis, but the funniest was when I asked like, who's the best looking player on the team. Everybody genuinely like stopped to like do a deep thought of like, I need to get this right. <laughs> I was, I thought that was the funniest moment, but it was a good time, man. I hope they do more of that. Like, I know it sucks to do in the heat of summer and stuff, but if they can get creative by bringing like fans, like literal fans out there to like blow on people and stuff like that, they need to keep doing that. Cause that, that was a vibe, man. It really was. Speaking of no love for, es- for Escobar. Like, no, what was up was. with that? Was there there? Was, uh, yeah. One guy, uh, I think it was Sir Scarf, uh, the guy that has 50 scarves that he oh, wears around okay, on his okay. belt. He gave uh, Escobar love. And then um, the biggest one was Dorsey. A lot of people love Dorsey. I don't get that. I don't. It's one of those things. It's like, I think his like his play is just like you know, masks any. Because he's doing well. Yeah, exactly. His his play recently is like masking any any kind of shortcomings he has in the looks department. And then the other one was Bossy. Like to me, he just looks like the Moroccan Thanks, Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's actually a great shout, dude. dude, dude what- I- the honest winner is Fetchenko. That guy is smoldering. And like, yeah. I, I think uh, producer Shea actually did a few shots with him. And like, he said the same thing. Like, I, I was shocked that that guy didn't get enough love. I just think people haven't, haven't seen him close up enough. Well, even at that, like, just go to his Instagram. The guy like yeah. does like family photo, like legit photo shoots. And I know he was at the, at the Manil Manil collection. Um, yeah. and he did a photo shoot out there. So, um, yeah, I would, um, I mean, I guess that was like the golden question because even I was like thinking about it, watching it. I would have gone Escobar or Sviatchenko. Um, I the, just the shocking ones was Coco was a shout out for that one. I was like, I don't know if like who get like not really a looker to me. Great soccer player, but other than that, and then Franco got some love too because of his eyes. <laughs> his eyes, right? Well, who was it? Chance the rapper said, "Everybody is somebody's everything." So <laughs> I guess I guess that was evident there. Uh, all right, Brandon. So before we end things off, uh, we're going to finish with a fun little segment that I thought of at 1 a.m. while trying to fall asleep yesterday. So a uh, little information for our viewers. I'm a big Liverpool fan. Brandon's a big Liverpool fan. Yeah. Um, I got this idea from Liverpool Twitter. So basically the supporters, uh, when we signed uh, McAllister, Somebody put on chat GPT, create a song, create a chant for our new signing McAllister to the tune of a popular 90s dance beat. And I'll see if I can edit it in here um, for, for people to hear, but it's a banger. So I thought, well, what are some fun chants that we could have for our squad in our situation? So the first one I did was uh, Ache Ache. And it gave me the tune of Oye Mi Amor by Mana, popular Mexican band from Guadalajara. So I'm going to, so chat GPT doesn't really do a good job of like maintaining a rhythm. So it doesn't, it's not the best, but we'll try to work with it. And I'm not going to sing it. So relax. (laughs) I was hoping for that. (laughs) But basically it was, uh, so we'll start with the first one, Hector Herrera with Oye Mi Amor. And it was Oye Herrera. En Dynamo estás con tu pasión, no haces vibrar. And then the other part, I, I couldn't get it to the song, but it was en el campo, eres nuestro orgullo y más con tu magia y el triunfo vamos a alcanzar. So that was, uh, that was, um, chat GPT's chant for our captain, Hector Herrera, to the tune of Oye Mi Amor. And then my favorite personality, I don't know what you want to call him in the Dynamo universe, is Daddy Ted. The guy has invested into this team. He has completely 180 turned around just a decade of darkness for this club. It's funny because I'm a huge fan of like what's happening with Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhinney. And I was on a podcast recently. Uh, a Rexon podcast, and I compared what's happening with them to what's happening with us. The only difference is he's not a Hollywood A-lister, but yep. there's a lot of parallels with with what happened to that club and an ownership just taking them down. I, if we had pro pro rel in the U.S., we'd be screwed. We'd be USL one or you know whatever the case. But um, 
a lot of parallels there. And so um, I asked ChatGPT, let's make a song for Daddy Ted. So uh, ChatGPT doing what it does, picked the song Daddy Cool by Boney M, <laughs> popular 70s Dutch band. And so it was basically Ted Siegel, he's the man. He's got the dynamo in his hands. With passion and vision, he'll lead the way. We're cheering for Ted every single day. Dude, I think that would be a fun one to play in the stadium. I really do. Because he needs love. We have no songs dedicated to him. And all that man has done is spill money all over the table. Like, I think that's El Batallon. El Batallon, please. Make this happen. One of you I'm guys, making... please. Make it happen. Yeah, EB, uh, let's drum up to that. That would be a good one to do, man. Daddy Cool. We'll put a link in the description. YouTube, Daddy Cool by Boonie M. It's a banger. Just... You know, change it and make it for Big Daddy Ted. So, Brandon, before we cut it out, let's come up with one on the spot. So I'm going to give you the decision-making. Pick a player, pick a tune, and we'll see what ChatGPT can come up with. So I had a layup one of doing – Teenage debate to teenage dream, <laughs> uh, and that, I think that would just be way too on the nose. But like, That's I think it would still be funny. Um, oh, man, I'm trying to think of a good one that we could do for. Honestly, I, I'm trying to think of like a player that doesn't get enough love for a song. Um, Bossy, I think needs a song because Bossy literally came up to the supporter section banging the drums. So I want Bossy to get a song as well. I think Bossy to. Do to tie in our game of who's the best looking bossy to I'm too sexy. Okay, so let's make a chant for how do you spell his first name? A M I N E. Yeah, A M I N E. Yep. To the tune. Yeah, and have the fans too. That's actually a fun idea there uh, too. Producer Shay tweet at us chant suggestions. I think that would be a good one to drum up. Because they're, they're too similar in the MLS. A lot of people share the same kind of chance. I think that'd be yeah. fun for us to be different. Be sexy. <laughs> so this thing like works in seconds. I already got it. And just the first two lines, I'm cracking up. <laughs> so, and we'll try to, we'll try to throw this. Um, we're not editors by the way, so we'll see what we can do. But uh, so to the tune of I'm too sexy. Let's see. How do you, Amani Bossy, he's our star. On the pitch, he'll take us far. <laughs> Will skills so smooth and go so fine. He's the one who'll shine all the time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> There's actually a second line. Ooh. Amani Bossy, oh so neat. Scoring goals with lightning feet. In the midfield, he's the king. Dude. Uh, and then... We're too lucky to have Amina here in our team. He's our cheer. Oh, Amina, you're the best. With you, we'll triumph, we confess. I'm telling you, man. That's actually the one that's pretty spot on for who he is, too, for this team. I like that. We are going to create a monster with <laughs> Amina Bossy and, and gassing him up this much. Either that or we're going to get restraining orders and yeah, he won't right. be allowed in, in Shell. So, uh, well, okay, I mean, well, I mean, Tata is a fan as well, as we saw in today's yep. uh, press conference. So Yes, he did. Bossy over Messi. He even admitted it to himself. Well, Brandon, I think that would be a good ending point. It was our first episode of The Way We Ball. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, The Way We Ball. That's underscore The Way We Ball, all one letter. And subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform apple podcast spotify and whatever or wherever you get your podcast from brandon would you have any lasting words for our listeners just the simple ones dolly dynamo and hold it down baby dolly dynamo hold it down and this is the way we ball <laughs>